And I've just got a word on my heart, but I really have just been praying through this week, and I believe that God wants to open up something to you. So let's just lean into the word this morning. Let's be alive. Let's be awake for what God wants to do in this place uh, this morning. And I want to continue, really follow on from the, the message that Pastor Sean preached um, last week. Who was here last week when Pastor Sean shared just a brilliant word? And so if you've got your Bible with you, turn it to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to speak a bit of a different message. And um, we'll get there in a moment, Hebrews chapter 10. So don't worry about putting it on the screen just yet. We'll get there in a moment. But I want to preach a bit of a different message following on from Pastor Sean's brilliant word last week. And I want to speak this morning on blood. Now that may seem like something very strange, especially if you're new um, to church. You may think, oh, that's kind of a strange subject. But I want to speak on this because I want us to see that the Bible has so much to say about blood and that actually this can affect your everyday life. And so we're going to see that together. Now blood is something that obviously we all need, right? You've got blood pumping around your body this morning. Maybe for some of you, as I just mentioned the word blood, you become squeamish straight away. You're one of those people where when medical things come on the TV or something happens around you, you're like the worst person to go to. Um, You're just squeamish about blood. Other people, maybe you're in the medical profession. It's just something that's so normal to you. I remember the very first time that I witnessed a lot of uh, blood, and this isn't going to be a horrific story, by the way, just in case you want, was, was when I went to play crazy golf with my older brother, Jason. And Jason's quite a lot older than me, and so this was like the first time that he'd been given like, permission to take me out. And so he was a proud big brother, and we went up to, we were living in Folkestone in Kent at the time, and we went to this crazy golf place that you could walk to from the house. And he had responsibility for me, and he showed me, and we paid, and we went in, and he showed me how to take um, a swing and, and do the first um, shop, if you like, of, of this crazy golf course. And so he just kind of tapped it, and it probably went through a windmill. I can't remember the course very well, but it went through this thing. And then he said, right, it's your go, and he stood behind me. And if you've known me for any amount of time, you know that I'm ultra competitive. You know that I don't do things by half. And so I stood there, and yeah, you can just tap a ball in crazy golf. But for me, I was like, this was Ryder Cup territory. This was me about to announce my name as a six or seven-year-old. I stood there, and the club went back, and I hit the ball, and it felt like it went for like 14 miles in that direction. And I was just so excited about how powerfully I'd hit this ball. And I turned around, and what I hadn't realized was that my club had hit Jason square in the face around here, and his face had pretty much exploded. And so there was just blood pouring out of his face onto the floor. And so I did what any good six- or seven-year-old would do in such a situation. I legged it. I, was out, I, I, I legged it home. Got home, my parents were like, where's Jason? Oh yeah, funny story, this just happened. I'm like, why on earth would you leave? I was like, he's the one who's the adult here. He's the one who's in charge. And so, long story short, he ended up with stitches and he's all right. He's all right. He didn't lose his eyes, so he's all right. But do you know what? When it comes to the word of God, there's so much talked about when it comes to blood. And when we become a Christian, I remember becoming a Christian, reading the Bible and seeing blood talked about everywhere we've sung songs but the lyrics have talked of blood this morning and that can sound kind of strange you may think what is that all about or maybe you've heard this for many times before the teaching on the blood yet you don't live in the power of it 
Because as Pastor Sean said last week, we can know something, but there's a difference between knowing it here and actually living in the power of what has been taught or what has been revealed. Now, last week, Sean, and if you haven't listened to it, I'll encourage you to listen online, family.church forward slash listen. Sean spoke on guilt. Remember this? And he talked about how mankind, since the beginning of time, has been walking in this element of guilt because of what had happened in the Garden of Eden, because of Adam and Eve. That when you are born, you are born with a guilty verdict over your life. There's nothing you can do about it. You come into this world because of the fall of mankind. You are guilty. Yet Sean set up this great picture, this great illustration of a courtroom. And he talked about the judge, God the Father being the judge, the righteous and just judge. Then he talked about the accuser. Remember this, the accuser of the brethren, that's Satan, who will day and night talk to you about what you've done wrong, how you've messed up, the guilt that's upon your life. But then he talked about the defense lawyer. His name is Jesus. And he said that your defense lawyer has stepped in to take the punishment that has been or should have been aimed your way. And so now the judgment over your life is no longer guilty, but it's free. It's innocent. It's forgiven. This is the power of what your defense lawyer, Jesus, has done for you. Now, I want us to see today that blood plays a big part in that. Not in a weird or spooky way, but in a way that's life-giving and a way that's life-changing. Now, what got me thinking along these lines was a, a drive from home to here last Sunday evening. And I was driving here for our worship night. How many of you were at our worship night last Sunday evening? Listen, if you haven't been around to one of these, they are just getting more and more powerful. God is doing for I'd really encourage you to be around uh, first week of December. But anyway, I was driving here, and it was uh, September, uh, October 31st, of course, and I was driving here thinking about Sean's message from the morning. And as I was driving here, I was seeing people who were obviously going trick-or-treat and doing their thing, And as they were walking around, you had adults covered in blood. Obviously not physical blood, but face paint or different things that they had. And you had children walking around as well, covered in blood. And as I looked at this representing darkness, representing death, the Holy Spirit gave me a picture that I shared at the worship night. And actually, as as this week's been ongoing, I just felt to share this with you. That the Holy Spirit gave me this picture that actually every day that I walk around life, I am covered in blood. Not in some kind of way where I get some face paint, but I'm covered with the blood of Jesus. Amen? And that blood doesn't speak of death, it speaks of life. That blood doesn't speak of guilt, it speaks of freedom. It speaks of forgiveness. That blood doesn't speak of darkness, it speaks of light and hope and salvation. And so I want you to have this picture today. Stick with me, I know it's a bit of a weird one, but we're going to unpack it. That not only has your defense lawyer stepped in your place and said, I'll take the punishment, but the blood of your defense lawyer is upon you every day of your life. That the Bible says that the reason that God, the judge, looks at you and says you are forgiven, you are shame-free, you are guilt-free, is all because of the blood of Jesus Christ upon your life. Listen, God the Father, God the judge, is a just just judge. There had to be a payment for your sin. There had to be a a penalty for your sin. There had to be blood that was spilt for your sin. But Jesus stepped in your place. Now again, stick with me because we're going to unpack this. And I want you to see how being covered with the blood of Jesus on an everyday basis makes a difference to how you view yourself. Not only in terms of your salvation, but every day that you're alive as a new creation believer. Now, last week, 
Sean talked about this guilt, and the reality is a lot of people, in fact, a lot of Christians walk around life with a lot of guilt. The sad truth is that today many who are walking into churches, maybe including some of you this morning, view your Christianity, your relationship with God, based on how good you are, not on the blood of Jesus Christ. We base it on what we can do, not on what Jesus has already done. And I want to deal with this wrong thinking today because it can cause so much damage. For some of you, you feel unworthy. You come to church and you're in worship or you're in prayer and you feel unworthy because of stuff that was done to you or because of things that you've done. You feel unworthy in the sight of God. For others, you feel condemned. Again, remember the the accuser of the brethren saying, remember what you did in the 80s. Remember what you did last night. Remember what you did then. Who do you think you are to stand in the presence of God? For many, it leads to wrong living because sin and condemnation go hand in hand. For some, it leads to apathy. Because if I'm never going to be good enough, then why even try? For many, it leads to religion over relationship. I must do in order to get. I must be something in order for God to love me, in order for God to accept me. And all that kind of does leads to frustration and burnout and emptiness. Because every time you make your relationship with God about how good you can be, this is what you'll realize, you will never be good enough. There will always be a gap between who you are and who you need to be. And guilt will return. You'll, you'll feel not free but chained. Your walk with God is affected and so on and so on and so on. And so here's where the blood of Jesus makes a difference. Now to explain this, we're going to look, dig into Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to teach a little bit this morning and then just declare the difference that it makes to us. Because I want us to see that through one obedient act, Jesus has changed everything. Through spilling his blood, Jesus has changed everything in your life. He's dealt with sin and condemnation and guilt and works and everything is different. So Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1, are you still with me? Two of you are with me, brilliant. Okay, the rest of you wake up. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 says this, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never, everybody say never, they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who had come to worship. Now just pause there for a moment. Keep your Bibles open at Hebrews chapter 10, but just pause there because I want to spend some time explaining how the old system worked. And maybe for some of you, this is going to be the first time that you've ever heard this and it's going to help you understand certain things about the reason that there needed to be blood. So under the old system, the old covenant, and you may say, what on earth is a covenant? A covenant is simply an agreement. Okay, so God would have agreements with mankind that throughout the Bible are called covenants. Many of them are blood covenants. And you can read about them throughout the Old Testament. There's two main ones that override them all. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Agreement, the New Agreement. The the separating point is the blood and the person of Jesus Christ. Now, if you never fully understand this, you will never fully understand why the cross of Jesus and the blood of Jesus was and is so significant. So under the old covenant, when a person sinned, when they messed up, when they fell short of God's glory, they had to make a sacrifice for that sin. Why? Because the book of Hebrews teaches us the wages of sin are what? Are death. So there had to be a death 
to be the wages of sin. As I said, God is a just God. He can't turn a blind eye to sin. There had to be a penalty. There had to be a judgment because he is a just God. Now, stick with me. Under the old covenant, there were different types of sacrifices. There were different types of offerings. One of them was a sin offering. Now, I'm going to explain this on the whiteboard, and some of you may remember, I I kind of outlined this a a number of years ago, and I make no apologies for doing it again, because sometimes when you see something visually, it helps what the person's saying verbally come alive that little bit more. So I'm going to draw this on the whiteboard today, um, but stick with me, because if you know me, I am terrible at drawing, okay? I'm absolutely appalling at drawing. When my kids were little, they'd say, can you draw me a tree? I'd draw a tree, and I'm like, why have you drawn a giraffe? That's the level of my drawing ability, so if you're in momentum and you're going to at some point do art GCC, don't come to me for wisdom or advice. Stick to somebody else, but I, I want you to see this, that under the old covenant, when you sinned out of ignorance, maybe unintentionally, But whenever you sinned, now let me just draw you here. Again, this is the extent of my drawing ability. Now you're sad because you've messed up, you sinned. When you sinned, you had to get a goat or a lamb. Now if you read through, you'll see that for people who were poorer in society, they had to get two turtle doves or uh, pigeons. For those who were leaders, they had to sacrifice bulls. So there were different animals based on where you were in society. But let's just, for the sake of argument, for us, say that we had to get a lamb. Now, again, uh, here we go. Okay, so this is kind of a lamb. Others would say it's like a cloud with legs. So uh, I was going to say, do sheep, do lambs have ears? Of course they have ears. Um, This is, those aren't horns. Um, Okay, he's sad as well because he's going to be sacrificed. So you had to take a lamb to a priest here is the priest representing the priesthood and you would take this lamb to the priest now what the priest would do under the old covenant is to check that there was no blemish upon the lamb that the lamb was in perfect condition and once the, the priest was happy that the lamb was okay for the sacrifice what you would do you would lay your hands upon the sheep and your sin would spiritually be transferred to that sheep and then this is not the not so nice part and I'm not going to draw this that lamb would be slaughtered and what would happen is the priest would take the blood of that lamb and sprinkle some of it on the horns of what was the altar sometimes they would sprinkle some of it in uh, the tabernacle which was the place of worship and then what they do is pour out the rest of the blood on the base of the altar. Now you're beginning to see the significance of blood in the Old Covenant. What was so significant about this? The blood of something represented the life of something. So a life had to be given in order that the person could be set free and forgiven. So that's how in very simple terms, okay, you're not going to get a theology degree drawing this on a whiteboard. That's how in very simple five-minute terms the Old Covenant dealt with this issue of sin, of mankind not being good enough your guilt being dealt with and there's other sacrifices that we could look at now one big problem with this it was never enough because this had to be done again and again over and over the minute you messed up again the minute that guilt was a thing and so you would constantly be taking lambs and goats and other animals to the priests I mean they they didn't so much minister they were more butchers in the way that they would continually have to sacrifice these animals because blood had to be spilt 
Now, as well as this and other offerings and, and sacrifices that were made, there was a Day of Atonement. You may have heard of this, where what would happen is the high priest, which was the, the top dog in the religious order, he would go into what was known as the Holy of Holies. Now, today we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have God within us. But in the old covenant, before Jesus, that's why what Jesus did was so significant, you can enter the presence of God, the very presence of God. And so what would happen is the high priest would go on behalf of the nation of Israel, and there was a whole lot that he had to do in preparation that we, time doesn't allow us to go into today. But he would go into the very presence of God. And he would take the blood and, sacrifice, and put it over the mercy seat. And when God saw that blood, his judgment passed over the nation of Israel, and they were blessed for another year. Now, this would go over and over again. You can read about that in Leviticus chapter 16. You're starting to see the significance of blood in the Old Covenant. The lifeblood of a sacrificial animal symbolically represented the life of the individual. But the writer of Hebrews says, this was just a dim preview. This was just a trailer. When you go to the cinema, right, and, and you sit there, uh, you go in, and 15 minutes before the actual film, there's a whole bunch of trailers, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to go see, but all oh, that one looks good. And how many of you have seen the, the new James Bond film? I could just completely ruin... Okay, let's not go there. Okay, but when I went to see James Bond, there was other films that were coming up on the screen, and some of you were like, oh, I'm not so sure that one. Oh, I'm interested in that. Listen, the Old Covenant, the Bible says, was a dim preview of what God actually intended to happen. So, verse 2, sticking with Hebrews chapter 10. You're still with me? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2. If those sacrifices could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. In other words, it wasn't working. It would cover sin, but wouldn't remove it. Verse 5. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but I have give, you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sins. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the Scriptures. Skip down a bit. It says, he cancels the first covenant, which was about your performance, which led to guilt, which led to you having to be making sacrifices all the time. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second, the second agreement into effect. The blood of Jesus Christ did away with the need for this and brought out a new way of doing things. Verse 10, for God's will was for you and for me to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all time. You've got to catch this this morning. That God's will was for you and for me to be declared innocent, for us to be made holy, for us to be acquitted, for us to be free by the blood of Jesus. A sacrifice that happened once and would last for all time. Verse 11 underlines this. Under the old covenant... Here we are. The priest stands and ministers at the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, his name is Jesus. He offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat 
down. Now, why did he sit down? Because the work is done. Amen? That the high priest of the Old Testament or the priest of the Old Covenant would stand day after day after day doing this whole thing over and over again. But Jesus, when he stood on, when he was on the cross, said, it is finished and the work was done. And he is now sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. For he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Jesus is the perfect lamb of God. Amen? That when he walked the earth, he was without blemish. He did not sin, even though, as we looked a couple of months ago, he was tempted in every way. He did not give in to that temptation because he knew he needed to be the perfect lamb of God so that his blood would be enough. That's why John the Baptist said this in John 1.29 when he saw Jesus coming. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hebrews 10.17-18 concludes, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifice. This is finished with. Now why is this so significant why is this so important here's where we're going to wrap this up and talk about how this makes a difference because following on from jesus uh from sean's illustration last week when the judge god the father looks at you today he does not see the sin upon your life he does not see you as guilty because when god looks at you he sees the blood of jesus christ upon your life the bible says that for those who have placed their faith in jesus they are now in christ and the blood of jesus christ is upon your life so when god looks at you today he sees the perfect sacrifice that has removed your sin and dealt with sin past present and future and he declares over your life you are not guilty amen Come on, this is good news. You are not guilty. Now, very quickly, I want to share the difference that the blood of Jesus can make to you today and every day. The first thing is this. Because of the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven. Romans 5 verse 9 says, Since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Ephesians 1 verse 7. God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. 1 Peter 1 18 to 19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere silver or gold which lose their value. It was the precious blood of your Savior Jesus Christ, the sinless and spotless Lamb of God. So if any of you today have been struggling with guilt, If any of you today have felt that burden of guilt and shame upon your life, know this, if your faith is in Jesus today, God has forgiven you. And there's nothing you can do to add to that. There's nothing you can do to to, to make it any better. The blood of Jesus Christ is enough. You are forgiven today. You are guilt-free today. So when the enemy comes with accusations tomorrow morning or Thursday evening or whatever it might be, you have every opportunity to say, get lost, get out of here, because the blood of Jesus Christ covers my life. And the Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I am guilt-free. 
And I have every right to live the life that God now wants me to live. Here's another thought. You have access to God. Under the old covenant, only the high priest could have access to God. Today, you can know God's presence and to know him personally. You know, shame is a powerful force. And some of you constantly feel so unworthy, as I said, in God's presence because of the shame and the guilt that you carry. Listen, the blood of Jesus Christ upon your life changed everything. Hebrews 10:22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Ephesians 2:13. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him. How? Through the blood of Christ. Because you are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, you can walk shame-free today. You can pray and have no feeling of guilt upon you. You can worship God, not sing songs, but you can worship God without your past hindering you. You have access to God. You have victory over evil. Do you know that you're victorious today? Do you know that you're victorious today? That the blood of Jesus Christ has made you victorious. That's why not only are we forgiven, but we don't need to return back to the sin that held us captive. Proverbs says like a dog returning to its own vomit. That's a nice thought, isn't it? But sometimes that's how Christians are. That they return back to the sin that held them captive, the sin that Jesus Christ has set them free from. Listen, the blood of Jesus not only forgives you, but it means that you have power over that sin to not return to it. Grace is not a a getting off motion. Grace. Grace means that you are empowered to change the way that you are now living. Revelation 12, 11. Last week, Sean looked at verse 10 that says, The accuser is in your ear day and night. But listen in verse 11, it says, We defeat him by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus. Listen, you will not defeat the enemy in your own strength. Stop trying to do it in your own ability. Stop trying to do it through willpower and and behavior modification and changing the way. Listen, the way that you have victory over the evil one is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And finally, and I believe this is important for some of you, the blood sets you free from works. What do I mean by that? Listen, Not only does the blood of Jesus redeem us from sin and punishment. Listen to these words, final verse, Hebrews 9, 14, the Passion Translation. Yet how much more will the sacred blood of a Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice, which now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. What does that mean? It means this. But not only are we now free from having to offer sacrifices that are pointless in terms of earning our salvation, it would never be enough. But you know what? The blood of Jesus Christ means this, that we're also free from having to rely on worthless works to make us right with God. Worthless works where we think this, you know, it's not about how good you can be or how many verses of the Bible you've read this week. How many worship songs you've sung this week? Right? None of those things are obviously wrong. But it's not about that. The Bible says our works. What do we mean by works? The things that we do to try and make us right before God. The things that we do 
that we think God looks down from heaven and goes, oh wow, you're more of a Christian now than you were yesterday. Wow, you're really on fire. Now that you've learned three memory verses, wow, you're so more righteous and holy. Than... No, no, no. Nothing we can do can add to what Jesus has already done for us. The Bible says this, but when we live that way, it's like filthy rags in his sight. The blood of Jesus is enough. So where does this leave us today? If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you're guilt-free. You're innocent. Now I know that those may be just such casual words, but again, from here to here, to having this revelation, you're guilt-free. The moment that we go before our Father, the Bible says, when we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You are free from sin, free to worship Him, free to serve Him. It leaves you today victorious. It leaves you today able to access the very presence of God, to know Him personally. Do you know my response is simply thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we don't want to be people who play at Christianity or play at coming to church. Thank you, Jesus, because the blood that is upon my life has changed my life and set me free. Listen, where people walk around offering, you know, one in sweets from people and walking around with blood representing death, the blood upon your life represents life today. Freedom. Forgiveness. So here's how I want us to close today. We're going to watch a video. We're going to watch a song. Just five minutes long. I don't want you to get distracted. Don't get distracted by the video. It may be better for you just to close your eyes and just to hear these words being sung. But I want in these moments for you to allow the Holy Spirit to take these words that I've shared to take the words that are sung and make them a reality in your life and for some of you maybe for the very first time guilt is going to lift off your life you're going to feel a sense of freedom as you understand what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for you Nimi, can we just move this for thank you just close your eyes in this place Holy Spirit as we listen to this song would you just minister to your people in this place we pray.